Hello and welcome to another episode of The Winding Stairs. I am your host, Juan Sepulveda, and I'm excited today to bring you a conversation with a dear friend and brother, Alex Powers. Brother Alex Powers is the past master of Gardner Lodge number 65, and he is the host of Historical Light Masonic Podcast. Brother Alex, it's so good to have you here in The Winding Stairs. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, man. Thank you so much for having me on. It's it's a blessing to be here with you. I, the, I, I agree. It's a, it's a blessing to me to be able to not just speak with you, but to be able to have a conversation related to the thing that you hold dearest in Masonic, uh, in your Masonic life, and it's Masonic history. So I wanted to, to start by going a little bit into your Masonic history. I know that you are fifth generation Mason. Is that an uninterrupted chain of Masons? Man, you know, so it's an interesting story because I didn't have a connection to any of them uh, except for my uncle. So that generation before me was my uncle, not my father. But growing up, um, we'd go to the cemetery and stuff and visit families, tombstones, and I'd always see the Masonic symbol. Didn't know what it was. Uh, my parents always told me uh, some cult. <laughs> and, you know, I was young enough. I just left it at that. I uh, didn't really care to know more. But it was when I got with my now wife, her father-in-law, who became my mentor, uh, longtime, very, very dedicated Mason, uh, Brother Angelo Mino. Uh, and he's the one that really opened my eyes to it. And it was beautiful because, you know, once I got in, it was this instant connection uh, to all that lineage in my family of they've been through what I've been through, uh, just, you know, those experiences. There was just that instant connection uh, with all those past generations. It was really a beautiful thing. That's amazing. I know you were very close to him, and it's, it warms my heart to see how you honor him in, in often remembering him and sharing stories about him with, with the brothers. So that's, that's admirable. Yeah, he, he was a fantastic guy. I feel like for a father-in-law and son-in-law, we had an interesting dynamic, um, but really, really appreciative of that because in a lot of ways we were best friends. Um, and of course, through masonry uh, just made us you know that much closer, something we could really, really, truly bond through. Now, you, of course, a lot of the brothers that uh, will see you in, in this interview, they're going to perhaps recognize your voice or recognize your face from Historical Light Masonic Podcast. Um, is it a stretch for me to say that that connection to family uh, ties related to masonry, does that have a an influential component in you deciding to do Historical Light or is it coincidence? You know, it, it didn't hurt, um, but what really got me into pursuing historical light uh, and just history in general um, was my transfer. So I was raised in Lenexa Lodge. Uh, then we moved out here to Gardner and I, I didn't have plans to move. I got thrown in the line out there in Lenexa immediately, um, but I'd happened to visit the guys out here in Gardner and it was just a deep family type feel where I was mm -hmm. like, man, this is two minutes from the house. I need, I need to be here. Um, moving out there to Gardner, it was a different dynamic. Lenexa is a more modern lodge, uh, so it just doesn't scream history to you. Um, Gardner is 
very old lodge and it just like that just screams history to you when you walk in however immediately um, and this being about a year into my journey in the craft at this point um, immediately I saw that they had so much history but it was lacking at the same time um, for example one of the things I've shared is on the wall in the uh, Tyler's quarters is the past masters frame typically I, I don't know about there in Florida but in Kansas any lodge you visit they're very very proud and they'll have past masters photos throughout the dining hall or or mm -hmm. somewhere um, so they had this frame of like a collage frame and out of a, about 150 years they had like 12 to 14 photos accounted for and when I started asking people just really didn't know the answers to tell me about this history mm -hmm. and that first year in masonry just gave so much to me um, but I also felt like I was at the will of masonry and I, I just didn't have anything to offer yet. And at that moment, I felt for the first time, this is a place that I can give back. Here is, here's an avenue um, that I can definitely uh, allocate myself and bring some positive to. And I, I started digging into that history and it just kind of turned one thing to another. And next thing I know, I'm doing a podcast and writing a book and this and that, and uh, just became infatuated with it. That's interesting how you positioned that you were at the mercy of, uh, of, of masonry, and it with the first thing that came to my mind was us sitting down and waiting for masonry to do something for us. But I know you not to be the kind of person that just sits back and wait for things to happen. I know you to be a go getter, right? So I I do like that dynamic where you felt okay. There is history here but it's not readily available. Now it's up to me to go and to go and harvest it for me to go and actually put these puzzle pieces together. Uh, whenever now, I'm sure that you've, um, as the years go by, of course, people may come to you whenever they want to talk about history because you wrote the book and we'll get to that in, in a minute. Uh, how does it feel now, like looking back that, at the very beginning, you had so little access to the details that got you excited about that lodge, but now you have a very complete picture, or at least a a much completer. Uh, I don't even know if that's the word, but a, a much more <laughs> cohesive uh, puzzle uh, of of your of your lodge. How does that make you feel? You know it. It's beautiful. I've, I've always had this interest in history. Uh, my father-in-law uh, was huge into World War II history. He wrote a book there. He runs a website and all kinds of stuff on it. So I always had that exposure. And just being able to bridge this turned into kind of a personal experience for me. One thing I talk about a lot today is, you know, the personality of your lodge and how that's changed over the years. And and you go to lodge today and it's, it's got that current personality, it's got those current people and you can allocate that. When we look at history, we often just see those photos and they're just two dimensional images. Um, but diving into that history, you start to bring those people alive mm. and you can imagine how your lodge operated in their day and what those meetings were like and what those conversations were like. And it just turns to this very exciting uh, dynamic. Uh, 
you know, we'll, we'll talk about the book, but, you know, during the research for that, even my wife got into it, she was helping me with some of the research and, you know, we, we'd hit certain parts where, you know, maybe one of the guys would die that we've read so much about and she'd burst into tears just because mm. even though it's not in front of you, you're not living it, you're tapping into this reality um, and you're getting to know these people on a personal level. And it's really a beautiful experience to be able to kind of pierce the veil on that uh, and experience it for what it was. I can see how you can get emotionally invested in these characters. Just like uh, if it's easy for us to get emotionally involved with characters from fictional stories, imagine following a very vivid account of someone who actually walked the same floors that you did, that actually walked those halls. I think that must be very, very profound. So, oh, 100%. We've alluded to the book a couple of times. Um, let's 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 delve into it because, sure. um, of course, it's one of these things that is a milestone for many people. It's something that seems unsurmountable to others, and I want to hear your your side of it because, first of all, I'm interested in knowing at what point did you become committed enough to say, "I'm going to do this." And did you have 2018 as a goal from the very beginning? That's I'm very curious about that part of it. It, it was an interesting journey that just happened. So <laughs> when uh, when I when I came into Gardner, um, you know, I, I transferred over. I left the officer line in Lenexa. I was just planning on being a member. Uh, these guys immediately, like the meeting after I was voted in to membership, <laughs> elected me as junior warden. Um, so that was that was huge. Awesome. And I was I was honored. I was humbled. And then I'm leaving that night. And my father-in-law is the one that pointed out. He's like, oh, just a couple of years, you'll be over there. And I was like, oh, crap. That's true. And it wasn't too long after that, that I did the calculation and figured out that 2018, the year that I would land as master, as long as I didn't screw up, was also slotted to be their 150th anniversary. Things just started coming together. So updating the history definitely was a goal um, that I wanted to obtain by 2018. The manner in which we did it wasn't necessarily. Um. So what I'd started out, because I'm, I'm kind of a guy of many hats, I've got a marketing background, um, started out redoing the website. There was an existing one that was kind of years abandoned. So I wanted to bring that up to date. And the history was just going to be like blog articles on the website. Um, there was a previous book pamphlet, like 17 pages written for the 100 year anniversary. And you know, reading through it, I was like, oh, this is great. It's very short, though. I'm, I'm sure this could be expanded on. Um, one of the guys in Lodge is like, well, yeah, you need to just make a part two and bring it up to date. I was like, okay, well, that, that's feasible. Instead of, you know, just a website, let's uh, let's continue this on. So I really started a deep dive in that original book at that point. And unfortunately, as OCD as I am, I, uh, I quickly realized that there was some gaps and it was even noted in there at one point, I found that when they wrote that book, they did not have the original two or three minute books of the lodge. They just didn't know where they were. Um, mm -hmm. So some of that information during that time frame, 
was hearsay, was just memory of some of the members, was talk oh, wow. from people around town. I don't know when they came back, but we had, at least when I got there, we had those original books in our possession. So at that point, I started to see just how summarized the entire history was. Uh, and then, you know, at least that first several years just wasn't properly accounted for. So being the OCD guy I am, uh, we just started fresh and, <laughs> and we wrote the whole thing through and 700 pages later, I figured it was time to stop. <laughs> <laughs> that, that makes sense though, to uh, start from the beginning because like you, you and I both know projects that have started before and for you to put band-aids on it and try to mend them, it's, there's, it, it takes longer. Sometimes the end product is not as good. Sure. Um, you can use it as a, a resource if need be, perhaps as a, um, a wire frame. And, oh, definitely, definitely. But, but that makes sense that you went that direction. Uh, I wanted to make sure that we mentioned the title of the book. I have here, it's, it's called A History of Gardner Masonic Lodge Number no. 65, and it's a 150-year celebration, so between 1868 and 2018. That's that, correct. That's a that's a definitely um, a daunting task, but I'm glad that you mentioned the fact that you were partly able to build upon some prior research. You were able to um, go to primary sources, which is very important. I want us to touch on on that. And but you were able to do all of this in, in order to to give a a broader picture of what the lodge. Uh, a brother lodge is um i'm also curious about the time crunch considering that um you said well seven pa 700 pages later you decided to finally uh sign the painting that's how yeah I, that's that's how i call it you're not done you just signed it and moved on right um it, give me an idea because i do remember i do have a, a vague recollection of you sharing either with me or with a group that we were um, communicating with the fact that you were cutting it very close to to publication how can you describe how was how were those those last few months of getting this book out there yeah definitely so that is when i brought my wife into play so <sighs> we can get into the dynamic of how I wrote the book because it's not a normal, just like novel style book, right? Um, being the history nerd OCD guy I am, um, I wanted this book to be something that I would utilize. Like mm -hmm. I, I nerd out in a special way. So how I wrote this book is more like a resource manual. Um, so within 700 pages, it's got 150 chapters essentially we went through and made a chapter for every single year. Uh, it's It's got the direct page pulled from the Grand Lodge annual proceedings showing the officers for that year, the member statistics for that year. And then we go through, include all the photos we have, um, but also all the important um, bits of data throughout that year. So the nice thing is it tweaks my brain because that's what I would love to see for any lodge is mm -hmm. if you want to know what happened during this year, you don't have to read the entire book and then connect the dots, literally flip there and you can go through and you have all those highlights and those accounted stories and all that for that exact time range right there. 
So coming up to that 150, we're, we're talking about that crime, uh, that time crunch. And yeah, I definitely started to feel it because I've mentioned a bunch. I, I, I get really deep into these projects and uh, it's never good enough. So you always go back and you add more and you add more. It was a blessing, always a double-edged sword, but a blessing that we had that 150 that, you know, was just kind of that big deal. We really needed to get it done for, um, or I'd probably still be working on it today. <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't doubt it. <laughs> you know, we, we got to that time period and I just, I told my wife, I'm like, I need help. And her first thing was, well, it's, it's masonry. Can I help? Yeah, because nothing here is secret. The, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's the minutes of the lodge. It's, it's, there's nothing in here that you can't read. Um, so essentially what I had her do from that time period to the end was she read the minutes to me and then I went through and made all those important notations. And that's where she started to really like build these for her. It was like a, a soap opera almost. She'd start reading the different people's parts and, and different voices. And, you know, there was one part where, uh, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. I think it was one of the, the friend brothers uh, that had passed away from cancer and she just bursts into tears. And I'm like, it's history. It, it, it's, it's beautiful. And there's, there's a connection built there. Um, but she was instrumental in uh, helping me be able to, you know, solidify that final data that we needed to be able to bring this all together. That's wonderful. You're very fortunate that uh, she's a professional and she's, uh, she was willing to help you with that. Right. That's uh hundred percent. It's a good combination of, uh, of traits that, that helped out. If you're enjoying this episode, you will love our newly redesigned website, thewindingstairs.com, where you will find free access to our entire podcast catalog. By visiting thewindingstairs.com, you will also discover our growing collection of Freemasonry inspired art. That's right. Bring elegant artwork featuring the profound symbols of masonry to your home, office, or lodge. You'll be happy to know that we've also expanded our apparel collection to include new discreet designs in sizes up to 5XL. We can't wait for you to see them. Support our efforts to share Masonic education and inspiration by visiting thewindingstairs.com today. Thank you. Now, I, I can't help but to think of the different stages. Um, obviously, we're talking about uh, you joined that lodge prior to uh, 2016 or so. The Yeah, so I, I became a Mason in 2014. And by 2015, I had transferred over to uh, Gardner Lodge. Okay. Started going through the chairs there. The reason I ask you is because um, when I have these conversations about uh, preserving history or making sure that lodges are are solidified and that lodges are growing and thriving i cannot help but to think of the brothers that are in lodges or perhaps that have been inactive and maybe they just tune in and they listen to a podcast they watch a video on youtube and you and i are just regular brothers and we yeah. go to a regular lodge but we love our lodge and we love masonry. So we take some extra steps to make sure that we're doing work that is going to, that's going to last work that is going to have an impact on, 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 on the lodge, at least in, 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 in your respective areas. So I, I want to ask you, what would you say to a brother that perhaps has been curious about the minutes 
in their lodge has been curious to learn more about these faces that surround them in the dining hall or within the the lodge room itself. Uh, what would you say to a brother who has that kind of, um, as we say in Spanish, we could say we call that inquietud. We call that a, a little unsettling where you feel like there should be something I need to do. What would you yeah. say to a brother that is in that position? Man, I'm, I'm going to lay one heck of a charge on you guys right now. So so here's the thing. I, I, I mention this all the time. We are that final generation right now. We are that last chance to save so much of the history before us. Um, when I was going through and working on that book, I was dealing with those source documents. I was touching those pages. I can tell you from my lodge alone, and I've been to countless other lodges and I've seen better, I've seen far, far worse. Those documents are old. They're not getting any newer. Now, when I say they're old, you got to imagine some lodges have had water damage. Some lodges have had fire damage. Those are extremes. Age in itself is getting to these materials. I mean, these pages, obviously, depending on how they're kept, some are better than others. But in the average situation, most of these pages are brittle to the touch. Most of these pages, for one, you'll be able to read some perfectly. And others, it's like a blank page until you look at it sideways. And you, oh, there's, there's type there. Mm -hmm. And you got to remember that in those early days, brothers were writing with these type of instruments, right? Ink and a quill. Now, this is commercial ink, right? But in those days, it wasn't. They were mixing this and shake it up, make sure it works. But some nights they'd get to lodge and this thing would be dang near empty. So what would they do? Just not take minutes? Well, no, they have to. They'd put a little bit of water in there, they'd shake it up and they'd do the best they could. Like so that. you might have one meeting that is bright and brilliant and the next one that is just barely there. That ink, because it's not commercial, it's back in the day, hand mixed, it also fades over time. So when you've got that watered down ink, you're losing that even faster. Hmm. We've, we've all experienced those fires, those floods, those tornadoes in our history. We don't know when that's going to happen next. I don't know if my lodge is going to burn down tonight, knock on wood, but it could. Hmm. We are literally, in so many cases, that very last generation uh, that can do something. And I know it's mundane, it's tedious work. And in our generation, we're taught to kind of despise the minutes mm -hmm. um, because nobody wants to hear that in, in the meeting. Like education, not going to argue against that. Education should definitely be first and foremost in the modern Masonic experience. The minutes are historical record. That's what they are. They're mm -hmm. not supposed to be the key point of the meeting, but they are supposed to be definitely a, a cared for and noted historical record. And going through those is your source material. It's the base source of all those connecting dots that you're going to be able to find. The minutes are the first place you need to look. Hmm. That's, that's a, that's an incredible call to action there. Um, for one, we need to get involved. We need to, uh, whether we have a lodge historian or we are just everybody pulling uh, their own weight and trying to do something, I think it's important for us to actually start taking those steps, making the decisions to either 
keep these documents in, in better condition, make sure that we're accounting for all the different books, making sure that they are not just taking home without any kind of record. Um, we have to make sure that we are learning from these minutes. That's another thing. Like you said, yeah. we are taught that the minutes are to be despised. It's like, yeah, for, for them until you can stop and think, wait, this is what's recording what actually happened. And this is what my brothers from the future are going to look at yep. to hear my voice. So, <laughs> yes, you know, it's, it, I'm, I'm reaching across the time, the void of time and I'm communicating with my brothers from the future through the minutes. So of course they have to be thorough, but they need to exist. <laughs> if they're not done properly, 100%. they won't be there. Um, now let me, the other call to action that I hear in what you're saying is us changing, of course, that mentality and not seeing them as a burden, but perhaps reacquainting ourselves with them. Um, how, how is it in your lodge or the lodges that you've been involved with when it comes to regular brothers having access to the minutes of the lodge? Is that something that is like a very closely guarded thing? Is it very relaxed and open? Yeah, sure. Take the books home, read them on your time, bring them back when you're done. How does it work in, in your lodges? So I, I think that's obviously really kind of ebbed and flowed throughout the years. Uh, like I know back in the 60s when they did the 100 year anniversary, a lot of those books did go home for extended periods of time. Um, obviously, when he was doing that, he couldn't find the first two, three books. Somebody had taken them. They brought them back at some point. Um, today, those books are available. Um, definitely would discourage anybody from taking them home, um, but utilize your lodge for that resource. The other thing is the biggest thing that I push today uh, through historical light, just me personally, Kansas Lodge research, everything I'm involved in um, is the archival and digitization of these records because that paper will not last. I don't care how much you want it to or what you do to it, it will not last. And, you know, yes, there are ways to preserve documents. You don't have that kind of money or resources in a Masonic Lodge to go that route. What we can do is digitize them and catalog that data so the data lasts. So, you know, the biggest two things I push is to one, let's take care of what we have because I do want those physical copies to last as feasibly long as they possibly can, but also need to realize that it will disappear. It is disappearing before us. So we need to get a digital account of that. Um, and we've done that. My lodge is fully digitized. So the nice thing is we have all of our records air sealed. They can be unsealed if they need to, but for research purposes, you don't need to. Everything's digitized. Guys can reach it in our portal. Um, and it's in the Kansas Lodge Research uh, Membership Archive, but we digitized it and it's all OCR capable, which mm. is huge because then instead of just reading page to page, you can search those minutes now. And, you know, just kind of jumping ahead here, one of the big things we're working on for the Kansas Lodge research is we have these kits with everything in it you need to digitize those, uh, those records. We're sending these out to lodges all across the state. And as they yeah. do that work, it's going into this archive. So the beautiful thing is one of these days, we're getting there a little bit, but one of these days I'll be able to take the name McClintock, who is a really famous guy from my lodge, 
and type it into the grand jurisdictional archive and see what other lodges his name pops up in huh. in just one search without going to that lodge and sitting and flipping just for a maybe. Um, you'll be able to connect dots that really you were never able to connect before. And that's where our generation is at, but we need more people to pick up the uh, the tools and, and work them. I love that. That's amazing. I think that's that's very exciting, especially for brothers that are um, listening to this that perhaps have a have an affinity for being able to reach into these historical records. But if they have any kind of technological uh, inclinations, getting involved in your lodge could be as exciting as putting your hands with gloves, ideally, um, on these antique records and digitize them to, to see what, what's uncovered. Definitely. I had the, the pleasure of being the, the lodge historian for Orange Blossom Lodge number 80 here in sunny Kissimmee, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it was a very brief stint. I, I was the historian for just a year and it went back to the hands of the previous historian. And, but the time that I spent there, one of the things that I, that I tasked myself to do is that I wanted to get the brothers excited about the history that was hidden within those cabinets yeah we like you mentioned here in, in 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 my lodge and in many of the lodges here in my jurisdiction the lodge room itself is surrounded by the portraits of the past masters that came before i love that yep uh i have been to lodges where they keep them in the dining hall or keep them in a hallway somewhere in in the lodge but it's uh for the majority of the time these are brothers that i'm sitting with at every mm -hmm. meeting and I'm looking at them and uh, especially the ones in the North are the oldest uh, past masters. So you can see the, the rich history that we have. You have some people that look straight up like cowboys. Uh, I'm in a Osceola County, which is a, has been a historical uh, a cow town. Sure. So you have some brothers that they look straight up like cowboys. And then you have others that look, like the sheriff and then you have someone else who looks that you can tell that they are very um they 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 have they have money or you can see some people that are working with their hands and you have this rich history but you don't know who they are right until you take that time to actually dig in to the through the archives and see oh he was past master in this year and oh my god that's right this was happening in our county at that time or this was happening across the the across the world. I do remember one night, um, I, one of the things that I started doing in my lodge is it was the Masonic historical historical minute. So okay, it was just a very brief account of something that I discovered in the minutes. Trust me, I put my storytelling hat, I did my very best to not just find the these primary sources and have accurate information but present them in a way that was going to keep the brothers engaged i love that thank you and because one of the things of course people want to go home people don't want the the, sure. the meeting to be super long and maybe i'm excited about history but there may be someone within the lodge that isn't that excited about it so i wanted to make sure that to to hook people in with the with the opening and tell them exactly what I found. I found some really cool stuff. 
I found some stuff that I can't tell you right now. I can tell you in private. Ooh. Yeah. Um, well, let's wrap this up. We're done. Let's go check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's one that I remember distinctly. It You could see how in this country, something was happening. Of course, you know that uh, Thomas Edison, he, he had... Um, what uh, Menlo Park, he had his laboratory up there and he had people working, trying to develop the uh, the light bulb as we know it today and trying to basically make electricity mainstream. Well, he had a laboratory here in Florida as well. So Florida had early access to the miracles of the wizard of Menlo Park because cool is that I know because of the proximity. So you can see how if you go to your minutes, you can see how when you compare dates, what was happening in the rest of the world, what technological Definitely. developments were coming up. And then you can see how soon thereafter brothers are voting to install the first electrical lights or to order cases of these brand new light bulbs. So I just say that to just pique the curiosity of brothers. There is rich history within those minutes that we avoid. You can dig in and uncover some amazing stuff. Oh yeah. There, I mean, there's so much cool stuff, especially if you're in a lodge that dates back quite a ways, you got to think, especially when these towns were smaller, those original influential people, nine times out of 10, probably going to have some connection to your lodge. Yeah. I mean, Gardner Lodge, Gardner, Kansas, in those early days, 1860s, like this was just literally middle of nowhere. Like nobody was here, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Kansas City was so far away when you're talking about horseback. But we've got guys here that I mean, amazing war stories. We've got guys that brought the school system to this area. We've got early surgeons. We've got a uh, guy that has the patent for the fire alarm, just all this random yeah. stuff that affects the community around you. And those are your brothers. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's one of the things I always try to tell people is we have this connection with our brothers and not just the brothers in our lodges, but the lodges around us and brothers all through uh, the United States and all through the mm -hmm. world and things like Facebook and other platforms help connect that. But we forget about is those guys before us, those faces on the walls, yeah. those are our brothers too. And there's no less connection or obligation to them. Mm -hmm. They're our brothers. And, you know, even the guys that are yet to come, those will be our brothers. And there's a connection and a responsibility there as well. And making sure that history makes it to them is, in my opinion, one of those responsibilities we owe to our brothers. Very, very well said. Very well said. That bond of, of brotherhood, extends through time and space it's not just Definitely. it's not just the lodges that you can reach is the timelines that you can explore that's yeah i'm pumped i'm pumped you know i'm still thinking about your lodge having your past masters in the lodge room i don't see that enough few lodges i've seen it in i love that though you yeah. know so i'd say nine out of ten lodges i go to it's always in the dining hall why the heck do you want to be shoved in the dining hall for eternity? Like yeah. <laughs> everything that was important to you. Well, Frey, I guess some of those guys like the dining hall, but the meat and potatoes of it, man, that it was, it was the lodge room. They want to be in yeah. there and lodge with you and have that eternal experience. I yeah, love that. Yep. Absolutely. 
And, and it's a matter of time and space when it comes to how many portraits can you really fit? It's going to get to a point where, okay, you're running out of real estate. So you're going to have to either get stack up, stack them or put some in one place. And then you also have, uh, which I just saw an example of this. I visited, um, as you probably know, we were talking about this earlier today, that one of the focuses that I've been, um, th one of the things that I've been focusing on is, is Masonic travel. As much as I can visit lodges, get to connect with the brothers, connect with the um, with the richness that, that I have at, at access to. I went to Key West Lodge, number 64. And I saw that post. That was awesome. That was so, so much fun. That was so much fun. I, I went to Key West on vacation with the family. And my wife checked to see, or oh, are there lodges in Key West? And I, I awesome. remember seeing one, but it was not a, it was not either recognized by my lodge or something happened that I remember okay. thinking, oh, you know what? I can't visit, right? But I didn't know that there was another lodge that was in Amity with mine. And my wife found it. And she's like, hey, listen, you're going to be excited to hear this. On our trip to Key West, there's a lodge very close to where we're going to stay. Not only that, she emailed them and they were going to have open book one of the nights so over cool. there. Yep. So, man, hats off to your wife. It, it's wives like that that make all the difference. 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I plan on keeping her. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so actually I went over there and knocked on the, it's a, it's a three-story building. Um, wow. Yeah. And it's, it's very nice. It's very beautiful. But the point that I was going to touch on is that I go up the stairs to the second floor. The brothers are meeting. There's just four or five brothers there practicing different things. And I get to meet them. We talk a little bit and they're like, okay, let me show you the rest of the lodge. And they take me upstairs on the third floor is the dining hall. And they have on the two major walls, they have the portraits of the past masters. Here's the point. They don't necessarily fit in the lodge neatly because there have been mergers. So sure. yeah. it's not just the one lodge. Now you have right. two or three lodges in one physical building. So be, they had to be very resourceful uh, as to where they put the, the portraits, but it worked. It looked, it looked very good. That's and, wonderful. Yeah. And then of course the artist in me feels like, okay, perfect. Now what do we do with the walls inside the lodge? <laughs> <laughs> I was already booking myself. Okay. Where, where do I start? And I'm like, wait, we just met. I can't commit. <laughs> just give me a brush and get out of my way. <laughs> exactly. Just let me do my thing. <laughs> Brother Powers, thank you so much for hanging with me. And brothers are going to be able to see the rest of this conversation in Historical Light Masonic Podcast. So if you've enjoyed this conversation thus far, you want to see the rest of the conversation, head on over to the podcast or YouTube channel of Brother Alex Powers, Historical Light Masonic Podcast is going to be a blast. I already heard the, heard the conversation. It's really cool and you want to check it out. So until next time, may your steps be firm and your path illuminated as we continue our journey up 
the winding stairs. Thank you.